0: This audio lecture is based entirely upon the case books, Liberty, Equality, and Due Process Cases, Controversies, and Contexts in Constitutional Law and First Amendment Cases, Controversies, and Contexts by Ruth Ann Robson. The case books are published by CALI E. Langdell Press and licensed Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial, share-alike 4.0. That means that the author has allowed everyone to copy and redistribute the material in any medium or format and remix, transform, and build upon the material as long as users give appropriate credit. Don't use the material for commercial purposes and redistribute contributions under the same license. Much thanks is due to Ruth Ann for writing these books and providing them to everyone for free. In furtherance of this spirit and in compliance with the original license, I also license this audio lecture as Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial Share Alike 4.0. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to Section 6 of the United States Constitution Lectures. In this section, we'll discuss reproductive rights. From Roe v. Wade in 1973 until Whole Woman's Health in 2016, the court considered a number of abortion cases, including reassessments of Roe v. Wade specific requirements and procedures, public funding of abortion and reproductive health, as well as regulation of abortion protest and statements by providers under the First Amendment. One of the most important of these is Planned Parenthood of Northeastern Pennsylvania v. Casey in 1992. In Casey... A plurality of the court articulated the Undue Burden Standard. The court stating, A finding of an undue burden is a shorthand for the conclusion that a state regulation has the purpose or effect of placing a substantial obstacle in the path of a woman seeking an abortion of a non-viable fetus. The statute with this purpose is invalid because the means chosen by the state to further the interest in potential life must be calculated to inform the woman's free choice, not hinder it. In a statute which, while furthering the interest in potential life or some other valid state interest, has the effect of placing a substantial obstacle in the path of a woman's choice cannot be considered a permissible means of serving its legitimate ends. Understood another way, we answer the question left open in previous opinions discussing the undue burden formulation, whether a law designed to further a state's interest in fetal life, which imposes an undue burden on the woman's decision before fetal viability could be constitutional. Quote. The plurality also summarized its principles, stating, quote, A, to protect the central right recognized by Roe versus Wade, while at the same time accommodating the state's profound interest in potential life. We will employ the undue burden analysis as explained in this opinion. An undue burden exists, and therefore a provision of law is invalid if its purpose or effect is to place a substantial obstacle in the path of a woman seeking an abortion before the fetus attains viability. B. We reject the rigid trimester framework of Roe v. Wade. To promote the state's profound interest in potential life throughout pregnancy, the state may take measures to ensure that a woman's choice is informed, and measures designed to advance this interest will not be invalidated as long as their purpose is to persuade the woman to choose childbirth over abortion. These measures must not be an undue burden on the right c. As with any medical procedure, the state may enact regulations to further the health or safety of a woman seeking an abortion. Unnecessary health regulations that have the purpose or effect of presenting a substantial obstacle to a woman seeking an abortion impose an undue burden on the right. d. Our adoption of the undue burden analysis does not disturb the central holding of Roe v. Wade, and we affirm that holding. Regardless of whether exceptions are made for particular circumstances, a state may not prohibit any woman from making the ultimate decision to terminate her pregnancy before viability. E. We also reaffirm Rose holding that, subsequent to viability, the state, in promoting its interest in the potentiality of human life, may, if it chooses, regulate and even prescribe abortion except where it is necessary, in appropriate medical judgment for the preservation of the life or health of the mother. End quote. It applied these principles to several provisions of the Pennsylvania statute, upholding the 24-hour waiting period, but found the husband notification provision unconstitutional. It also reaffirmed the complex doctrine regarding minors in abortion. The issue of minors in abortion could be considered to be a question of a conflict of constitutional due process rights. On the one hand, Although minors generally have less constitutional rights than adults, a minor does have substantive due process rights, including a right to reproductive health care, including abortion. On the other hand, the substantive due process right of parents to care, custody, and control of their children is implicated. State statutes that require a minor to seek parental consent or to require parental notification before accessing abortion have come before the court numerous times. The court has struggled to develop doctrine that accommodates the constitutional interests of both minors and parents, resulting in what is often known as the Bellotti standard, after Bellotti v. Baird. In 1979, essentially the doctrine is this, if a state chooses to require parental consent or notification, which the court has said are the same regarding minors, the state must allow the minor to bypass this requirement through a judicial process. This judicial process, which must protect the minor's anonymity and be expeditious must allow the minor to prove either she is sufficiently mature to make the decision without her parents or she is not sufficiently mature but the abortion is in her best interest. Thanks everybody. That's all I'd like to talk about for this section. Take care.